0: As the actors, we don't have any say whatsoever. Be at this address, you're shooting with this girl for this company. And then we rock up and we get a script and it's like, you're her stepdad. I'm like, oh fuck's sake. And then you just read the script and do the thing you've been told to do. We don't have any say in it. So that is entirely dictated by the consumer.
1: What's up guys, welcome to another episode of Raw Dating Advice. I got a very exciting guest on today's, his name is Sterling Cooper, and whether you know him or not, Uh, I have just recently met him officially for the first time, and he's a porn star, but also now a guy who teaches men uh, confidence and competency uh, behind closed doors and in the bedroom. And I know a lot of guys definitely get value out of that kind of stuff, since as a dating coach, we tend to talk about everything that happens leading up to the bedroom. And so uh, welcome to the show, Sterling, man.
0: Thank you for having me, man. Like, yeah, it's uh, (laughs) I get uh, I get a lot of guys. I, I I got I used to get a lot of dudes hitting me up in my in my DMs and stuff when I was like full time in the adult film industry and if uh, if anyone recognizes me uh, ho- hopefully you don't recognize me from from fappin to my uh you know my adult films and hopefully you recognize <laughs> me from the stuff I put out on YouTube but hey I'm not going to judge you whatever uh yeah, I used to get a lot of dudes like DMing me, asking me stuff like, "Oh, dude, like I'm having trouble with performance anxiety. I'm having trouble with premature ejaculation, all this sort of stuff." And so I, I just sort of started putting out content and trying uh, to, to try and help guys. And yeah, it resonated with a lot of dudes. And I get, yeah, I get emails and inbox DMs all all day, every day now, asking for uh, for tips on like one, avoiding bedroom performance issues, which is the main thing, and then two how to lay pipe properly, uh, as I like to put it. And, you know, I think I'm, uh, so my background isn't just adult entertainment pornography. I used to also be a high-class male companion. I used to be a, well, what you might want to call a whore, a, uh, an escort, whatever, how are we going to phrase it? Back in Australia, man whore, uh, a legal one. Well, that's, that, that's legal back in Australia. So I did that for, for a number of years uh, before I got into the adult film industry. And so I've kind of got, a, and, and even before that, I was actually in the swinging scene as a single guy in my 20s. Uh, weirdly enough, I managed to finagle my way into the swingers scene. And then, you know, that's kind of how I knew I was perverted and uh, it was an <laughs> exhibitionist. But I pool on my experiences in these sort of different realms. And then obviously just, you know, being a, a, a dude going out and dating. I do that as well, like every other dude does. So I've got this weird, eclectic kind of experience, uh, pool of experiences to to take from and like help dudes in various different sexual situations you know it's uh there's nothing there's nothing more uh there's no nothing no nothing is more high pressure for your penis than than shooting a porn than shooting a a professional porn scene when you've got Mm -hmm. like a room full of people whose entire paycheck for the day is dependent upon you getting a boner so uh (laughs) i I know i think or two about performing under pressure and i know i think or two about uh you know how to especially for my work as a as a high class companion about how to get most women off so i try to teach that as best i can uh on my youtube channel and uh you know help a few guys out so we have we have some fun for that
1: interesting i'm curious how do you like what were you doing before you became a high class male companion and got into the the sex industry for lack of a better term um and like was there any resistance to making that leap and becoming a, a guy who does this professionally? Uh,
0: before that, I was actually running a paleo meal delivery business. Of all oh things. wow! Yeah, so I was yeah, and I'm not a chef or anything. I'm just like I'm just a guy who's like a bit entrepreneurial. Uh, yeah, so I ran like this food delivery business back in my uh, my city, back in back in Western Australia, and uh, it was good. It was going alright. We we're making some money. It was doing okay. But I was, I, you know, what it was weird. I had this like thought. It was sort of stressing me out. The the money wasn't fantastic and I was working my ass off and I just thought to myself one day, I'm like, why the hell am I busting my balls doing this? And I, I actually like thought for a second introspectively and it was like the thought pattern went like this. Well, I'm busting my balls so I can, if realistically, what do I want? Well, I want to travel the world banging hot women. That was honest to God. Like that was the answer. I want to travel the world banging hot women. And then I thought, well, why don't I just cut out the middleman and and just go straight to the source and get paid for it? And I was like. Mm. That's not a bad idea, and so yeah, I I sort of like I said, I finagled my way uh, into the industry, and it was like I've always kind of been a, a like a bit of an exhibitionist. I don't mind being the center of attention in in most contexts. So it it just naturally, and I'm and like I said, I'm a bit, bit perverted. Fair enough. So it kind of lends to my natural strengths and inclinations. So that's kind of how I went went about it. It was it was never a situation where I was like worried about getting found out you know I, I i don't really give a shit what people think of me for the most part which kind of helps so yeah that wasn't uh it wasn't ever really something like a major concern and uh you know when, when my family found out they were honest to god when my family found out i think when, my, when i told my sister her re- she just laughed and was like of course you are like of course you're doing that." <laughs> She, she wasn't really shocked, so I'm like, "Ah, oh, cool." My my family thinks I'm perverted, so this is this is easy. Like, it ain't, I'm not like ruining my reputation or anything. And all my friends back in high school, I still to this day, I'll get messages on Facebook uh, from from old high school buddies and stuff, and they'll be like, "Man, I was like searching through this website, and then your f-, and the camera panned up, and your face popped up, and I'm like." You just ruined my my fapping session. I'm like, sorry, bro. <laughs>
1: it just happens. <laughs> it's like, oh, I know that guy. <laughs> Dang, that's awesome. I'm not, I'm not I guess kind of
0: it's, it's a bit of a, it's, it's I always get a good chuckle out of it whenever I get a message like that.
1: Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, do you uh do you feel like you get the majority like is your fan base on the porn sites mostly women? I'm assuming, or is it the guys who kind of follow the male porn star as well?
0: it's dudes it's a combat it's mostly uh like like in terms of most straight male porn stars their fan base typically consists of primarily gay dudes gay dudes and bisexual dudes who just like who just like to see like straight dudes doing their thing and then like Mm. your hardcore porn fans who just sort of like what we do on camera and sort of support us i guess is a way of saying it Yeah. yeah so that's so these days my my social media is this weird combination of like it's like half like gay men who who you know fanboy over me and then half like straight dudes who just want advice and and like so my comment sections on my instagram and on my twitter are hilarious sometimes because it's just these two two very polar opposite kinds of guys
1: dang yeah i can't even imagine that like in my business, the way the way that I make money, you know, giving dating advice, I literally don't ever interact with with gay dudes unless they're in denial or something, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I ain't got a, I mean, and I am I ain't got a problem with them. They're, they're fans of mine. Cool, great. They're supporting me. And and to be honest, like the the sex advice I give, is I mean, at least with it when it comes to like the performance anxiety or like premature ejaculation stuff, like that applies to them as well. If they want to, if they want to, they want to use it, you know. So it's not like uh the the stuff I teach is is, is can be. Ex- Well, when I'm teaching about dudes how to find the G-spot and how to eat pussy, probably, that's kind of not relevant to them. But (laughs) there's a whole bunch of other stuff I can teach that they can can steal if they want to. So
1: Yeah. I'm curious, because I've always heard this, and I've never actually known, I guess I've never had the chance to ask uh, someone who's actually in the industry. Is it true that if you're a male porn star, that to get big, you have to work your way up by doing a bunch of gay scenes first?
0: Nah, there are some dudes who have done that there absolutely are, but they here's the thing they they tended to the guys who have done that that was kind of before social media. so because there's actually a, less of a stigma nowadays, but they're like you know, in 2021. but there was for quite a while there was a big stigma around a dude who we call them crossover performers, dudes who went from being in the gay side of porn to being in the straight side of porn uh you know that's purely based around the, the the stigma is based around like hiv infection rates and and things like that uh but nowadays they've got they got drugs like prep which which transmission of um hiv and stuff like that so the stigma's kind of dropped off a bit but people because of social media everyone know every like if a when a dude tries to do that like everyone knows that they they did gay porn before whereas back like 10 15 years ago they didn't know they didn't unless they sort of had heard the rumor they wouldn't even have really even known if the dude had done gay porn before before he tried moving into like the straight stuff or at least the fan base definitely wouldn't you know uh yeah Uh, yeah so but you don't i didn't do that i i started out like the way i got in i started out with small studios in australia and then i leveraged that experience and i shot in england with some slightly bigger studios. I ended up getting booked for some big names like Brazzers and fake taxi out there. And then I got flown yeah. out to, to uh, Budapest and I shot out in Budapest for a few months. And then I ended up yeah, using connections out there and then got some stuff in Los Angeles and, uh, and the rest is history. I've been out in America for like three years doing that.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. And so like with, with your whole thing that you do now, as far as like helping guys in the bedroom, did that come from you? You know, having to learn through those high pressure situations. Like, did you struggle with some of that anxiety yourself? Oh, yeah.
0: Like, you, it's, it's this weird thing. It's, it's a combination of like, like me, like figuring shit out. Because you, if you have a bad day, like on set, okay, cool. That's one bad day. Like, you can't have a bad day the next day. Like, you don't really get, a second chance in our industry as a dude you have you you, especially the you have to nail the first scene that's something very important for for dudes Mm. who get in this industry you have to absolutely nail your first scene with any new director you're working for because then he'll hire you again then you Mm. got a little bit of you got a little bit of leeway you might be able to like have one bad scene you know later on down the track and then he still might hire you again you know you get you get you get basically
1: one bad scene yeah what's their criteria for a good scene and a bad scene like you well, just get extra
0: hard that day yeah it's basically like can the dude keep his dick hard that's basically the criteria uh because that that is the thing like most guys think here's the thing that most guys don't understand they think oh i'll just take a viagra and mm-hmm. it'll magically like there'll be no problems here's something that most guys and i tell guys a lot i tell guys this all the time viagra does not give you a boner viagra just keeps it there for longer Mm. so if you're petrified and you're like really anxious you can pop you can pop as many little blue pills as you like if if you're like in your head and anxious and nervous oh boy ain't rising to the occasion it's Mm. just it's just the name of the it's just the reality of the situation so yeah, like a, a a good scene is basically one that gets finished. A bad scene is one that the dude can't get his dick hard and like everyone goes home without a paycheck. So you were like, I had a couple. I like, I was I was actually quite lucky. I sort of started off in with like easy studios to work for, and so I mm-hmm. built up like six months worth of experience under like relatively lower like lower pressure situations relative in our industry, and then so I sort of learned. Like, okay, what things do I like? What things can I eat before a scene, or but like the day before a scene that help me the next day? You know what I mean? What kind of foods are good? What kind of exercises can I do to help like my body perform better? Like, how can I improve my testosterone levels and optimize those? I was learning all this stuff as I was going along, and more importantly, I was picking the brains of more experienced guys because when you go, so you if I go to set, typically like a director is going to shoot two two scenes in a day, right? Mm the am scene and the pm scene and so when you switch when when you when i come in for the pm scene the am dudes uh, like he's they're wrapping up that crew's wrapping up and so i'll cross paths with guys and we'll get we'll you know you'll have like an hour or two to sit down and chat with people and yes yeah, so i'll pick the brains of dudes who are you know 20 year veterans in the industry and then you learn a thing or two you learn a few tricks here and there and over the, and you just accumulate this sort of tool toolkit and you you make you know make a mental note. Oh, he does this. He does that. You accumulate a toolkit, and then you you've got all these things you can pull out of the bag if you need to to help you know help old boy downstairs stay strong. So it's not just me. It's a, it's the fact that I like like I'm a I am I, I, I'm good at recognizing patterns, and I'm a learner. So I steal from as many people as I possibly can to make make my job better, like a lot easier, basically. Yeah, steal like an artist, as they say. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, that's the that's the saying. Like all the all the greatest, all the best artists in the world steal. Now, uh, there was something I wanted to, I wanted to touch on with you, which was like I know I know what some of the most common mistakes that dudes make on like the the, the second half, shall we say, right of the of the man to woman interaction experience, the bedroom half. I know what some of the most common mistakes those guys are uh, they make. I'm curious what you what in your experience when you're teaching guys like how to go out there and, and cold approach and talk to girls what are some of the most common like mistakes sticking points however you want to phrase it that you see from men
1: nowadays yeah man uh if if i guess maybe because we're talking about the sex conversation right now um the ones that come to mind right now for me i would say ironically probably translate to the bedroom you know, Mm -hmm. things like being in your head, that's a very common thing. And if you're in your head in the bedroom, I'm sure this guy also is in his head in conversation, especially if he just approaches girl. Um, One of the things that, you know, the ways this manifests is like, you know, if I tell a guy, all right, see that girl over there, go, go over there and approach her. You know, it doesn't matter how many times I can demonstrate how to approach a girl. Um, If a guy wants to, like, I've had it happen so many times where a guy will stand up, he goes, all right, and then his just feet don't move. And so he doesn't actually take that first step cause he's all up in his head. The moment he stands up and he goes, I'm gonna do it. What's the first thought? Well, what do I say when I go up to her? And yeah. so like, as a coach, I know that, you know, okay. If you're getting your head before you even start walking towards her, then what's the best way to do that? Everything I do uh, when I approach a girl, every tactic of mine is really just a way to keep me out of my own head. Like for example, mm-hmm. my the way I approach a girl, If I have to walk 20, 30 feet to walk up to a girl, I'm intentionally going to not try to think of anything to say because the moment I start, uh, you know, it almost never goes according to the way you imagine in your head, right? And so one of my rules just for myself is like, when I lock eye contact with her, something's going to pop into my head and I'm just going to say that and then just go from there, right? And that's a very different strategy than a guy going, all right, I need a plan A, plan B and plan C of what to say when I walk up. Um, But then even that, if a guy can get past that, you know, it's the lack of conviction. It's the lack of, you know, that he's almost pulling his punches, almost like that, that bedroom anxiety to where he can't get it up is like, you know, I've seen guys, okay, they walk up, they approach her, but you know, they start blabbering away and they walk up behind her. They don't even get her attention first. And I'm like, eye contact first. Um, I'm thinking of one specific example. It was in Tempe, Arizona. Dude walked up to a girl who I just got done talking to. And I knew she was in a good mood. She was here to socialize. She was a cool person. And I said, all right, yeah, man, go up and say hi to her. And he walks up and he doesn't even like stand in front of her. He walks up behind her and he goes, hi, I'm Steve i'm steve and he's like a fucking mosquito buzzing in her ear she didn't even know some dude was talking to her she's like what what and then he walks back up to me and he goes i tried it and it didn't fucking work i'm like bro like (laughs) you know so i mean i would i would assume that a lot of that translates to even in the bedroom too
0: dude it's 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 weird when i when i talk to you know uh, other dating coaches and stuff and i'm we sort of compare notes and stuff there's a a whole bunch of stuff that i teach in the bedroom which is Stuff that you guys might teach practically in the field, like one one perfect example you just mentioned there was like is like vocal tonality, like projecting your voice, like talking. You know what I mean? Because there's a mm. there's a right way to to whisper, and there's a wrong way to whisper, and there's a right context in which to whisper, and there's a wrong context in which to whisper to a girl, right? Like a good context is like okay, well, I mean, and I'm, I'm practically in the bedroom is like like pulling her hair, whispering in her ear, like choking or whatever the hell you're doing, like doing it there but not 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 in a loud crowded bar when she can't possibly hear you but i teach guys like stuff like okay the importance of your vocal tonality like deeper slower seductive in the way that you talk and not necessarily like yeah you can you can dirty talk in the bedroom but a lot of guys i tell a lot of guys they they worry about kind of like what to say, <laughs> same, same situation, right? Instead of worrying about what to say when they go up and talk to a chick, they are worried that they, they ask me like, what do I say when it comes to dirty talk? And I'm like, well, look, if two, the first two bits of advice I'll tell them is like one, just don't think about what to say. Just, just, just describe what's happening. Then you have to think, mm-hmm. you know, like describe your sensations and describe her sensations to describe what's going on. Like, you know, Oh my God, you feel so good. You know, not don't want to be too graphic on your channel. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, oh my God, I love, the way you, I, love, I love the way you stare at me when you suck my dick. Or whatever the hell it might be. Like, right? Describe what the hell is going on with your words. And then you don't have to think about shit, right? And then the other thing I'll tell you guys is as sort of re- uh, um, like homework they can do, right? To learn to be better at dirty talk is read erotic novels that are written by women. Because then mm. you see the way that women like to describe sexual fantasies and then you learn that it's basically it's a lot of adjectives if i'm being if if you break it down it's really just a lot of adjectives and so then you learn how to describe stuff to a woman and describe a few like you could be with a woman and having sex and just and whispering in her ear describing the next time you guys are going to have sex you know, I'm going to take, I'm going to take you behind the dumpster. I'm going to bend you over and everyone's going to be walking past and they're going to be watching you being, being my dirty little slut or whatever it might be. Right. Mm. That's, that's, uh, uh, cause, I, cause I'd rather tell a brother, a guy start off like really basic and like, okay, just describe what's happening. So he learns to be confident, learns a bit of confidence with projecting in the bedroom. Cause a lot of guys just don't have the confidence to do it. They're, they're worried about saying the wrong thing. They're worried, worried about looking stupid and they don't have that confidence. And, and a lot like there's so much parallel here with all this stuff. Cause trend like women from my experience, like when you approach them and when you talk to them, like in real life before the bedroom, they're interpreting like what you're going to be like in bed. They're judging like that, that approach and that, and that way you, you talk to them. They're using that as like a litmus test for what's this guy going to be like wh- if I go home with him. And so, if you're if you're if you have a timid voice, bad body language, like you don't make eye contact with her, she's gonna immediately translate that to this guy is gonna be terrible, like you know, bad in bed and and not confident and shy and meek in the bedroom. And I think that's that's something that guys sort of, at least for me, that helps to understand like how to communicate with women that I want to attract, like. if if I'm talking with her, she's like she should be kind of aware that there's there's if she sticks around, she's in immediate danger of getting dicked down. Because that's kind of where it's gonna head, you know, if I keep if I keep talking to her. And there's this idea of um touching on what you that example you gave a second ago, I talk about this a lot, this idea of congruence. Like being congruent is super important. Because congruence is like, okay, my thoughts, my words and my actions are all kind of in alignment. Right. So if I go up and talk to a chick but i like that's a confident action right but in my head i'm thinking oh jesus christ I, I don't know what's gonna happen i don't know what's gonna happen i'm really nervous and then when i talk it's like hey how you doing like that's not congruent right and especially and yeah. one of the things i'll find is that like due to a really really good looking right people talk about oh like good looking guys have it easy et cetera, et cetera, right when it comes to chicks if a good looking guy goes and talks to a woman she expects him to be super confident Versus like a regular looking guy, she kind of doesn't expect him to be as confident. So he actually kind of has it a bit easier because like she's got a, uh, she has less expectations in her head for like an average looking guy as opposed mm. to like a, a super good looking guy. might like, because I had a couple of friends back when I was growing up who were like super good looking, but shy with chicks. And it was just like devastating because like if they did try something... But they weren't, they didn't have that super, super confidence behind them. They would strike out versus like average Joe over here. He was like a football player who had
1: confidence. He'd roll in, he's like, What's up? And then bang, like it'd make things work, you know? Yeah. And the worst thing about those super good looking dudes is like, I, I would consider myself in that category because I've always been in sports. I've always been like six foot three, um, but I could never get girls. And so I relate to guys who even come to my boot camp to where, you know, I look at them. I go, dude, like you're a good looking dude. Like just, you know, why can't you do it? And uh, that's like the worst thing you can tell a guy looking, but he doesn't know how to behave in a way. That attracts women because it doesn't really offer anything to him. So I definitely yeah. you're coming from on how they almost have it. sense.
0: And you know what? It's funny. Uh, like, I, I see all these memes all the time about like giving, uh, this is this, I think it's a TikTok trend right now. It's like uh, giving that the ugly guy a chance is the kind of like the meme. And they, they talk about like the ugly dude who can like lay pipe properly, Or, like the average looking dude who can lay pipe properly. And then the girl just gets addicted to him. And that's something I, I tell guys a lot is like, sec, good, being good in the bedroom is this tool is a really good tool for retention for re- for keeping a girl you know like keeping a girl around keeping her as a as a, as a fuck buddy if you wanted to do that or keeping her as a girlfriend yeah. or whatever it might be like uh, like having good uh, dick game for whatever bit of a word will will do will go quite a long way in like keeping a girl around even if you even if you were like you know simpy or or whatever like you know if you had like didn't if you don't have like the best uh, like frame control in the relationship, you don't have the best relationship dynamic, whatever it might be. Like, good dick can actually can take you. quite, It won't get, get get you everywhere, but it can take you quite far. You know, while you figure out all these other uh, weaknesses in your in your life, I guess.
1: Yeah, let me ask you this: Does size matter when it comes to your uh, ability to dick down a girl? Okay,
0: so uh, here's an interesting uh, observation. Because I get asked this question a bunch, and I have polled my co-stars on these on this question, and one here's the pattern I noticed. Right, when dudes talk about like, okay, what's a big dick? They talk about length. When women talk about what's a big dick, they're talking about girth. This is mm-hmm. I've, this has been proven time and time again with conversations I've had with porn stars on this cha- on this channel on this very on, on my channel as well. And it's the it's because because for her it's like it's it's a sensation of sort of being stretched out right so the thicker a dude's dick is like she will then call that a big dick whereas like long ones it's kind of like if it's like a thin long one it's just kind of poking her you know what i mean uh and so it might might hit the cervix and some girls like like having their cervix punched good for them uh but it can be kind of painful for for most women so it uh having a thicker penis can can definitely help yes but in terms of length it's there there is there's such a thing as too big. That is absolutely true, and, and you can ask co-stars. Not every girl is a complete size queen. Uh some actually find it painful if it's like super, super long. But the other thing is you can it's it's more about angles than anything else. Because just mm. pure like size ain't gonna do too much if you're just like at at, at a shitty angle. So yeah one of the things I'll teach guys is like, as a perfect example, like there's a lot of things, a lot of slight variations you can make to basic sex positions, which significantly improve them. So a real basic one is in missionary position, you slide pillows under the girl's hips and you raise her hips up. Right. So you're changing the angle of penetration. Let's see if I can do this properly. So normally like her her pelvis is sort of laying like this. And then if you put uh, um, pillows under it, bang, it's like this. So your angle of penetration is now the head of your dick is hitting her G spot. Right. Whereas before, it was it's kind of going in at a at a it's missing the G spot by going downwards, right? Raise your hips, bang, you hit the G spot. Little things like that. Like that, if a dude has like a below average penis and he does that, he she feels like he has a bigger dick. You know? I and see. so his size doesn't actually matter. It what matters is his ability to manipulate those angles if he really wants like to to you know blow a girl's mind. And another thing I'll I'll say is that uh if you have a really tiny dick you have effectively two other penises right here on the end of on the end of your arms learning learning how to use these how to use these bad boys properly and learning how like if you really want to blow a girl's mind learn how and and you have a a tiny appendage learn how to fist a girl properly. no no uh, that that might sound kind of crude but uh there's a correct way to actually fist a girl and I I, i teach the guys this you can you can learn how to hit the uh what I call the A-spot and the O-spot, which are like back at the at the back of the vagina around the uh, cervix. If you can learn how to do this properly, you are going to give her an experience that no other man has ever, I guarantee no other dude has ever thought about giving her. Is it because
1: only perverted guys like me who do this shit? <laughs> you go, you go, you go shoving their arms in women. <laughs> I'll be honest. I uh, I don't think I've ever seen a video of someone getting fisted. Maybe I'm just not sexually adventurous enough. So I didn't know that was a thing exactly exactly <laughs> but i've done it i've done
0: it in my personal life and i know the results that this could get so that's why i'll tell i'll tell little i'll tell guys who actually are like you know below average like well don't don't stress too much about it because you there's a lot of things you can do which can blow her mind and and p- part of that a big part of that is like i mean this kind of ties into into uh, you know cold approach and stuff is your ability to lead a woman through the sexual experience, right, in the bedroom, because a lot of guys will sort of, they 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 tell me they're, they're not really sure what to do. Like, what should I do? Where should I start? How do I escalate? How do I how do I get, how do I, as a question I get a lot, a lot of times, how do I get a girl to do this thing that I like in the bedroom, right? Well, you, all, you know, obviously we're talking about like a consensual sexual arrangement. I'm not, I'm not trying to get guys to go out here and do yeah. anything that's non-consensual, but basically like you lead her there, you tell you show her and you tell her. Like you, you lead that experience. Like you know, it's. I I'm not a big fan of, you know, like, uh, like asking for permission, like per se Mm. in the bedroom. You know, because that is a a very unattractive thing. If we're being perfectly honest, it's a really unattractive, like trait for for a guy to be like, oh, can I can I touch you here? Can I if you if you are already making out and and having sex? Cool. Like obviously, not every girl likes you know like stuff in the butt for example so maybe there's certain things where you might be like test the waters out right but for the most part if you're having sex with somebody you don't necessarily need you don't need to be like can i touch your elbow can i touch your neck can i touch on the knee Can I you know baby stepping this consent all the way so i will tell guys look because a lot of these are so afraid man in this day and age with like the whole me too era and stuff they're actually terrified of uh you know Leading and taking charge, and and being like dominant in the bedroom. And mm. I'll tell I tell them I'll tell them to do one or two things, like really basic shit. Like okay, like pin a girl's hands down, like behind, like in missionary position. You're like on top of her. Just do this one little thing. Not not super forceful. Not, not 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 you're not hurting the girl, but just pin her hands like that by her side. And you, I will tr- tell this to dudes who've never done it before. And that for me, that's kind of a vanilla. That's kind of a vanilla thing. Because yeah. you know, if you want to, if you want to move her hands, you let you let her hands go. It's not a big deal, right? But just <laughs> pin them there around the wrist like that, and watch her eyes roll in the back of her head the moment you do that. Because she's gonna be like, "Yes, finally, a guy who's taken charge. Finally." It's just, it's, yeah. because guys are so afraid of it.
1: And it's you, almost you, like the more the more alpha women who are like super Type A personality, they almost enjoy it more because guys are a lot less likely to do it with them in the first place absolutely man and here's the thing
0: I've I, i I've dated a few girls who've been in my life who are dominatrixes um, you know like they're paid like they, they, dudes pay them to put cigarettes out on their balls and shit like this oh, you know <laughs> they tie them up and, and or they tie dudes up and they beat they beat the shit out of dudes uh, but when they come home to, when they've come home to me they're submissive you know because same and the same thing same exact thing is with girls who are you know like high power CEO women or like business women who have to, have to spend all day in charge and being the boss and blah, blah, blah. They just want a dude to like take them and ravage them when they get home. Yeah. I mean, most women want that. I mean, my experience, basically all women want that. But even more so if, like you said, if they're in that kind of a power position, that type A personality woman, Do you do you find that guys, do you find when you're teaching guys to do cold approach that they get kind of that this idea, this kind of like me too idea is a bit in the back of the head and they're a bit they're a bit uh, like intimidated to, to even sort of talk to girls and like lead them by like, say for example, like hold their hand and walk them somewhere.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I actually was thinking about this while you were talking about that. I wonder if, you know, some of it is the me too stuff, but also I wonder how much of it is just, that's what they think women want. Like, mm. for example, um, I've been, uh, I'm working on a new video where I'm breaking down a lot of the scenes from this new show called FBoy Island. Um, okay. And have you heard of that show? No, I have not. <laughs> okay, the show's pretty cool. It's like a combination of The Bachelor with that uh, Too Hot to Handle show. Um, but there's like three women and there's a bunch of dudes. And before coming on the show, half the dudes self-proclaim themselves as nice guys. And then the other half self-proclaimed as F boys. Okay. And the girls have to choose a guy. And then at the end, you know, they have to figure out, is this guy an F boy or a nice guy? Self-proclaimed, right? And one of the things that I'm noticing is that all the guys who are nice and they consider themselves to be nice. These are the types of dudes who are, they'll be on a date with a girl, one of these girls, and they'll be asking would it be all right if I kiss you right now? Right. Versus, you know, the F boys, the guys who have a little bit of experience, if the vibe's there, they're just gonna go for it, right? Yes. And so that's like one of the main differences I'm just noticing on the outside looking in from that show, right? But then I relate to my own experiences, and I think, well, back when I was a virgin, when I got friend-zoned by the girls that I liked, I thought it was chivalrous to not mm. want to sleep with her because I'm a gentleman. I thought it was chivalrous to let her be the the one who's I'm putting her on a pedestal because she's a princess, you know. And so I wonder if how much of it is just the mentality that they think is working versus yeah. you know the you know the the Me Too stuff, the fear of that. Yeah, this
0: this yeah this sort of narrative, this like Disney, Hallmark movie kind of narrative that we we get fed basically like our whole lives until like until we find out wait a minute this is a total bullshit. like she doesn't she doesn't want me to like you know yeah do, like buy her flowers buy her chocolates and 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 texture a million times a day uh, and be like super needy and and creepy she actually wants the complete reverse of that uh and i i i agree with that i'll tell i'll tell dudes like and, and maybe you're all right maybe because a lot a lot a large part of uh a lot of the uh what how do i phrase it like but maybe a bit of resistance that I'll get to some of my ideas is guys who think that women are these like delicate princesses, these delicate flowers that like, Oh, if I, if I touch, she's going to, she's going to break into a million pieces. And it's like, no, no, dude. Like you can actually be pretty heavy handed, obviously in a consensual way, you can actually be pretty heavy handed with women. And they, they quite like that. They like to see that physical dominance. They like to see that masculine strength from a guy that's that's that is attractive. That is what turns them on. Like you, and you re, you read women's sexual fantasies. You read books. A really good book for for guys who are to kind of break guys out of that mental framework is the book uh, My Secret Garden by Nancy Friday. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But- I've heard a lot
1: about it, but I have yet to check it out. I need to though, because you know, here's another example. You're bringing it up, and uh, I've heard so much about how that translates to the bedroom for sure. It's
0: juicy. It's juicy. It's it's basically like. This woman uh, was a New York Times author, I think, and she asked women to write in anonymously, write in their sexual fantasies, and it's just a collection of those, and it's some pretty perverted, dirty stuff. And you're like, I I read it when I was in my uh, my early twenties. I was like, damn, this is crazy. Like these girls are like dirtier than I am, you know. And you you taught your whole life like that guys are the more like sexual ones, and guys are the more like kind of perverted ones. Yeah, our sex drives might be might be higher than women's but they're not we're not they're not
1: necessarily less perverted than us which i think really helps guys yeah. understand yeah. how to be better lovers one of the things that you were talking about i think it's kind of related is just like not being a like not asking for permission but more just like leading in the bedroom especially i realized that my sex got a lot better and like women were coming back for more or they just seemed to enjoy it more when rather than like trying to trying to like figure out how to get her to take off her pants. I rather just like said, take off your pants. You yes. know, I started telling her what to do, like you said.
0: <laughs> Dude, it's that's it's not it's not rocket science, really. <laughs> it's just like but I think guys are a bit of, like is it, like if a girl's in like if a girl is actually into you and like you're especially if you're already having sex, just you could you can just ask for the things you want. You know? It's not if a girl likes you, she wants to please. And I think guys forget that, that women, there's a big part of the female ego that gets off on getting guys off that gets off on being a a, a bit on pleasing a guy in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. Women will get off on that idea because because the opposite of that, if you, if you're with a girl and you don't orgasm, it drives them nuts. Like they, they can't, like if you if you don't orgasm with a girl on your first, on you know the first time you have sex or something like that, sometimes not wait all the time but sometimes they'll develop a bit of a complex about it and they'll be like what's wrong with me what did I do wrong what's what why doesn't why he like me why am I not attractive they'll just get in their head about it and I've had uh, even it's he, the weird thing I've interviewed porn stars in this in this studio and I've had them and I've asked them this is why I tell guys to by the way this is why I tell guys to be vocal in the bedroom uh, not just dirty talk but also just make noise like. Like, mm. Moan and groan and um and ah actually make some noise because so many, from what I hear, so many guys are freaking silent. And here's what girls will say, and here's even a porn star will say this. I, I'll ask the girl, What do you think? if What are you thinking? If a guy isn't making, if having sex with a guy and he isn't making any noise, what's the thought that goes through your head? And these women will say, I think he doesn't like me. I'm worried. I'm wondering, What am I doing wrong? Maybe he doesn't like me. whilst his penis is inside of her, she's still thinking that thought just because he's not moaning and groaning and making any noise. So that that tells you like how much they they kind of value their ability to get a guy off. so it's it's okay to tell women what you want in the bedroom. and and you know, kind of like you said lead them, lead them through it. Lead them through that experience, you know?
1: And it's almost like what you said, if you're not vocal, like right there if she's thinking those things then now she's in her head and she's less likely to orgasm too right bingo
0: bingo yeah that's the other thing don't get a girl don't get a woman in her head uh the moment you sort of convey that you're uh kind of des- not be a de- like desperate to please her the, the idea of like being needy and desperate and like Oh, I, I hope I'm as good as her last lover. I hope I can please her in the bedroom. I hope she enjoys me. I really, ho- I really, really want her to orgasm. I really, really need her to orgasm. The moment you come at sex from that kind of my- mental framework, if she picks up on it, which most women probably will, they'll pick up on that. It puts her in her head and actually makes it far less likely for you to actually get her off, because you've you've added you pr- you place this pressure on her. She's like, oh god damn. Now, now I really now I have to I have to orgasm because otherwise he's gonna feel bad. And and then this fucking mental uh, uh spiral happens. So don't do yeah. that,
1: guys. <laughs> I'm curious how how important is foreplay to heightening the sexual experience? Just because um I've found like differences in like, for example, if I'm if I approach a girl at a club or something and we we're just like conversing, making out. If the more physical I am and the more sexual we get in public, a lot of times that actually decreases my chance of having sex with her that night. I've noticed that sometimes, mm-hmm. but I've also noticed like my girl, for example, she like likes to get straight to the point. She's like, I want sex. I want it now, no foreplay. Whereas yeah. sometimes I I enjoy foreplay and I've met other girls who really enjoy that foreplay and almost need it to have a better orgasm. So what what have you noticed from that? you
0: know what, man? I used to be a big foreplay guy when I was in my, like, 20s. I used to, like, I, I, I love eating pussy, not gonna lie. I would just, like, do I'd do that a lot, and I'd, like, get the girl off with my mouth first before we, like, moved on to stuff. And nowadays, I've totally changed my kind of approach. Nowadays, I'm, like, I'm a lot more, like, aggressive and, like, dominant, and I'm just, like, like I'll like make out with a girl, like, and bend her over the counter with her, with her clothes still on, you know what I mean? And so I'll jump into it, and sh- and but she'll get into that because it's because it's like that's the kind of stuff that she fantasizes about you know all this written about in like mills and boone novels or 50 shades of gray or whatever so i and, and I'm, I'm also a big fan of like kissing girls on the date before you bring them like and actually like making out in public before you bring the girl home mm. uh and I, and i've heard guys say the say say what you just said like it's it it decreases their chances of of getting laid i'm i'm of the opposite opinion for me it's it it seems to have always i mean it's just kind of who i am i'm 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 a public displays of affection kind of guy so i've always yeah. done that but there's a lot to be said about like taking a taking a girl out of her head so what I mean by that is when you're, when you're bo- both approaches can totally work. Like f- foreplay can 100%. I know what foreplay, ha- having good foreplay can 100% work and you can get a girl off that way. But I also know that you don't need it, right? So if you enjoy, I'll tell guys, if you enjoy doing it, then do it. Like, absolutely. Like if you're that, because not everybody's the same kind of lover, you know? Some guys are more romantic and slow and passionate. Other guys are more like hard and fast paced and athletic or whatever it is. So it's like find the style that suits you, yeah when you're uh, like very dominant with a girl and like, like the example I gave a second ago, you know, I'll make out with her and i maybe flip her around a bender of a kitchen counter with her clothes still on. What you're doing there is you're, you're essentially for want of a better phrase, like you're fucking this, the consciousness out of her. Like, so she's not in her head at all because things are just happening. It's, it's so passionate. It's so, it just, it just happened. It's magical. It's passionate where we, we're, we're vibing or whatever the fuck word you want. She'll use, you know, to justify it afterwards. But it's like, you're yeah, like over kind of overwhelming her her conscious, rational mind, consensually, obviously, but so that she because a woman's orgasm is like so so meant much of it is mental. Like you have to get them out of their head in order for them to come. And so one of the best ways to do that is to overwhelm them physically. Just just being a freaking barbarian and taking control of them and, and manhandling them, in my experience, really helps to kind of help them lose control mentally
1: mm, mm, yeah. I see what are some of the sex mistakes that you see guys make like do you do you feel like there's a right and a wrong way to be thrusting in other than like the angles which was money by the way right
0: yeah. um,
1: like is there something to the speed to the rhythm to the motion itself honestly I think anything everything can work. I actually have guys
0: ask, have guys ask me I did a, I dropped a vi- I dropped a video about that this week uh because I had so many dudes asking me that exact question like ha- like what like motion in the ocean do i use and i'm like man man everything can work you know if is like that's why i think angles are the most important thing because like yeah you can change the rhythm you can like you can go move your your wang left clockwise anti-clockwise up and down like you can change that you can change the it, speed and the pace but if you're not hitting the right spots it doesn't mean anything you know like because that that is one of the big things that people don't understand about porn oddly enough is that like porn sex is not actually great sex like what we yeah. do on camera is purely for like the viewer the viewer's pleasure in the are like we're, we're fucking at like 90 degrees and stuff just to, to get you the shot that you need so mm. i would say like you if you are if you can you know fuck at a fast pace if you do that at, with the correct angles you're going to get her off quicker but you can still do that at a slower pace you know it's mm. it's all about like the understanding the angles and we're talking about if we're, if we're trying to make a girl orgasm through vaginal stim- purely from vaginal stimulation, it's all about the angles. Most women will come from clitoral stimulation, like it, and most women haven't ever come from uh, like penetra- a penetrative orgasm. Oh, really? But, yeah, most of them because most of them will because they, when they masturbate, they're masturbating their clitoris, right? They're not typically like using a dildo for the most part, like for their whole life, right? Because you, yeah. you have to have a dildo with you, like <laughs> so, they're not learning to orgasm penetratively but it is possible because everyone has every woman has the same plumbing the same the same uh, biology right yeah so because that's got that's what a lot of guys want to learn how to do like they they understand like how to make a girl orgasm from from clitoral stimulation you kind of just copy what she does when she masturbates that's a big hint by the way but learning the angles and learning how to how to hit that g-spot with the head of your penis is the key part to actually
1: triggering a a penetrative orgasm so that's that's kind of what i tell guys I see. So if a guy has uh, a lot of experience watching porn, right? What are some of those differences where you even said like porn is actually bad sex. So I can only imagine one, it's probably hard for you if it's bad sex, then it's probably hard for you to stay engaged with it. So well, what's your kind of tip there? But also like, what are some of those differences that makes it bad compared to regular sex?
0: Well, it's about, it's about the distance. you got to, cre- you got to create distance between you and her so that, so that the camera can see what's going on. Mm. Like a, per- like a doggy style for example is the is the worst position in all of porn is doggy style because like for, for art like in real life it's great but on camera it's horrible because you have to like turn your hips so that you can see things going in and out you have to create distance i can't like get because i'm a passionate guy i like to get like up and close and in, in, in her in her face and stare and stare in the eyes and whisper shit in her ear but when i do that if i do that on camera what happens? My our hips get closer together, and the camera can't see any penetration. So that's kind of what I mean when I say porn sex, because because you can't do the stuff you would naturally do if you were being passionate with somebody. You have to keep that space between you, so just so the camera can see what's going on. So it's uh yeah, there's a it's a bit of a fuck around. Um, Interesting. what the second half. I forgot what the second half of the thing you asked was. Um,
1: like if it's bad sex, then how do you how do you personally oh, stay hard and engage the whole time? Oh
0: yeah, yeah. like. I mean, there's still there's still a beautiful woman on the on the end of your penis, so that that is yeah. helps. You know, <laughs> yeah. for the most part, you 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 learn to focus. You know, you focus on the right on the right stuff, and yeah, it's not it's not not enjoyable. <laughs> it's yeah. just not it's not as enjoyable as like regular sex.
1: Yeah, yeah, is being on a porn set. I I just imagine almost like. Um... I remember that movie, like the girl next door. I just imagine, like, if you are like the male porn star, do they have like a girl come in and start sucking you off to warm you up before no, you get on camera? they do not
0: exist. Like the fluffers do not exist. Fluffers are, not, are a complete lie. They're a myth. Darn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, darn. If they were, it would be. They would be. Uh, it would be a much easier job. No, that's. It does not happen. That's important. Is yeah. They can't afford them. It's really, it's a price thing. They can't really afford them. And here's the thing, they'll, they'll, they'll hire the guy that wouldn't, they would hire, just hire a guy who doesn't need one, you know? So it's like, all uh, right, that kind of makes, it doesn't make financial sense. It's a weird way of saying it.
1: <laughs> I see. Is there is there ever like times where you've had to have uh, a porn scene with a girl that you're like not at all into, but you got to yeah. seem into it? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's happened a bunch. What do you do in a situation like that?
0: Like, you, you, like male porn stars have this ability to like find something attractive about any woman. That's part of mm. our skill set is we can we can we can, even if we don't like the woman, <laughs> like personally, either personality-wise or physically, right, we'll find something attractive about it. So those those two things might flip. So if I don't find her physically attractive, I'll find something attractive about her personality. Or about the way she's or her, her eye contact. Normally it's like her the way she looks at me or the way she speaks. Like I'll like lock in like laser focus on that. And vice versa, if I don't if I find her annoying and I don't like her personality, I'll find lock in laser focused on something physically about her to like keep myself there. That's that's the key to this whole thing. Is I like see. It. But like, yeah, it helps if you are actually attracted to the people you're uh, sleeping with. So, <laughs> that's yeah, a, uh, that's a. For most guys don't have that problem, have to deal with that problem at all because that you're not going to go up and talk to a girl in a bar that you wouldn't even be interested, you're not even going to take a girl on a date that you wouldn't even be interested in. So that's for most guys, that's something they don't have, they don't actually have to worry about.
1: Yeah is there like a line as a porn are you still currently active in porn or are you mostly in coaching right now
0: i'm not as i do a lot more coaching i do do still do do still shoot but not as much as i used to
1: i see is there a line that when it comes to porn that you would never go there like two girls one cup is like what i'm thinking most people would not go that far you know yeah
0: i don't i don't like that kind of stuff but you know what's funny is that there's i mean maybe it's not funny for most people i don't like uh piss play i don't like peeing on girls i don't i don't pee on girls and that's apparently that's something that most dudes in my industry are like totally they're like cool they're totally fine with it and i'm just for me that's that's my line i'm like i'm not gonna pee on a chick like come on that's (laughs) for me that's my my uh where i draw the line uh yeah and then things do they ever
1: have you do like role plays like have you ever tried to had to pretend to be like someone's stepdad or something
0: oh i am the stepdad that's that's my most common uh role unfortunately (laughs) i get cast as the um, i get cast as the stepdad the doctor the teacher the lawyer that's what i get cast because i'm articulate and i look older uh so they're like all right but sterling you're today you're a doctor bang go ahead uh, yeah. So I get, I get that all the time. Like step, the whole step porn thing is, I, I don't <laughs> ask me why that is a thing. I don't, I can't tell you why. All I can tell you is that we shoot the stuff that is popular. So we we don't have any say, like as the actors, we don't have any say whatsoever in what we're shooting. We get booked for a, de- for a, sh- like, okay, Thursday, like 5 a.m. Like, f- Thursday, 8 a.m. Be at this address. You're shooting with this girl for this company. And then we rock up and we get a script, and it's like, you're her stepdad. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then you just, you just, do the, you just do read the script and do, do the thing you've been told to do. We don't have any say in it. So that is entirely dictated by the, the consumer. We shoot what the studios produce, what the fans are into, and what, 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 because they have all the data. They have like the view data, and, and they, what gets clicks is what we shoot. So uh, yeah, don't blame me, blame, 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 blame the people jumping around on Pornhub.
1: Yeah, for real. I've never understood that personally either, but um, I guess like maybe if someone has a really attractive, you know, step parent and they (laughs) find that person physically attractive, I don't know. I've never been into that myself. (laughs) I
0: I didn't, I didn't have any step parents or step siblings growing up. So I don't know. i don't know where it came i came from oddly enough i came from a like very traditional like uh wholesome uh, uh stable family oddly enough like the whole the whole stereotype of like i mean maybe not for that, so much for the dudes but for the for female porn stars at least is a stereotype of like oh you must have come from a broken home like my parents been together the whole lives you know it's like perfect
1: Do you find that that stereotype is true pretty much? Like most of these girls have something, some trauma about them or a lot of, or a lot of porn stars, like normal ass people.
0: A lot of them are normal ass people,
1: man. Like, yeah, there are some who fit that
0: stereotype. Absolutely. That's undeniable, but there's a a large chunk of them are complete nerds. If I'm being totally honest, there is a lot of girls in porn who are like massive anime nerds who are board game nerds who, who, who like play video games and stuff. There's a lot of nerds in in our industry, and the guys too. Like, we're, we're kind of label. I used to, I, I used to play video games and shit. Like, it's it. We're labeled as like these studs or whatever the hell. And behind closed doors, like yeah, we play one on camera. Behind closed doors, we're like, I ah, just Xbox it or whatever. Like, I mean, not not nowadays. I don't do that, but like a lot of dudes do. And it's yeah, it's this weird people b- building up a sort of persona of who we are on like behind. Uh, behind closed doors just because of, of what we do on camera. It's kind of funny. I, I find it. I find it hilarious, at least, how most most of these girls are uh, just, aside from the fact that they're taking dick on camera, are uh, just regular-ass women.
1: Yeah, interesting. Is there any, like, as a porn star, once you're in the industry, is there? A, do you ever get to a certain point where if you wanted to have sex with a certain porn star, you'd be able to make it happen through, like, a few texts or what? Yeah. You have well,
0: yes and no. So for 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 con for content, right? Say for example, if I wanted to shoot something for my OnlyFans, as a perfect example, right? And uh, I I would just reach out to a girl on Twitter and be like, if I if I wanted to work with the girl, I'd be like, hey, like would love to shoot content with you, um, like like whatever. Like, that's basically what you, you just text them. Uh, mm. and sometimes and if they they see the message and they like and they and they're interested, then yeah, that's how you set that up. I've done that. i done a bunch of times. Uh, but for like a mainstream studio for shooting like an official porn scene that will go up on like a website, like someone's subscription site, we have no say in it. Uh, the only people who do have say's in it are like the the performers who are also like producer directors. So there's a lot of big name guys who are also producers or directors of their own of like they're, they're contracted out by a bigger company and like, okay, you so and so you're going to produce this many scenes this month. And they shoot they're they're the guy they're the male talent for the scenes so they they're like all right they pick and choose who they want to work with that, that happens for guys who are contracted to certain companies so for the for the bigger guys yes that is true but for the mo- for most male talent they don't have a say in anything
1: at all yeah do you ever worry about the like sexual health like I, I want to use condoms or like, if this girl has been with so many dudes, like I'm a little skeptical of that. Does that ever cross your mind? Things well, like
0: that? I'm, I'm, I'm curious about, I'm curious to hear your answer to this as well. Uh, but for me, for us, we we get tested every 14 days in our industry. So it's mandatory. You have to get, you get all, you get a blood blood and urine test four to every 14 days uh, for uh, yeah all the various STIs. We actually have a really efficient system. There hasn't been a, there hasn't been a HIV transmission on, on a, on a certified porn set for like 20 odd years. Like there's awesome. they're really good at, at keeping on track. Cause we're all in this, we're all in a database, right? And everyone's getting tested every 14 days. And the moment there is any, uh, a positive test from anyone in the talent pool production stops. Mm. And then they test every, every and then, so person here caught something, not even HIV, but this is just a like, just like chlamydia or some shit, right? If this person caught chlamydia, okay. Production halt. Everyone that they've worked with in the last fourteen days is then informed and tested. Mm. And if they come back negative. Okay, we're good. If any one of them come back positive, then they repeat the process again. And that's how we nice that's team. how we check. Yeah, and, and you know what's funny is this is this is not a government mandated thing. This is an end. This we this is an internal industry thing. We mandate we we do this ourselves, uh irrespective of like any government body or something. It's like one of the best examples in the world of like industry like self-regulating and and, an industry self-regulating itself it's actually fucking impressive
1: yeah well i would imagine it has to be impressive with how much money is in the porn industry um does that mean like you like do you get signed to a certain talent pool like and are there competing pools or is it all kind of governed by the same database no that that is that's
0: one over there's only one database basically for like all of the uh, um like the sti testing and stuff yeah what about you, man? Like when with you, like, as, do you have, do you, I'm curious, like, do you actually worry about that when you go out and you and you know, if you're going out meeting chicks a bunch and, and taking girls home and stuff as a, as a dating coach, do you worry about, yeah, like potential STI exposure? Do your students worry? Like, do you have, here's another question I'll ask you as a follow-up. Do you ever have
1: guys who are very, very inexperienced with women
0: worrying about that?
1: Ah, well. I do here's what I can say is usually when I do my boot camps, I do my boot camps a little bit different to where I do a, a bigger group um and we control the environment. so I'll bring girls in and we actually critique their banter so they can get actual feedback rather than hoping they find someone to practice on that weekend. Yep. um, and usually when I do that, um I'll bring in someone like a, a Susan Bratton because she is entirely like sex education, right? And mm. so for her, I know a lot of guys get a lot of value out of out of the sex stuff, which is as a dating coach tends to be not necessarily where I talk a lot about. Um, just because so many guys are so focused on how to even get there in the first place. But um, me personally, right now I have a girlfriend, so I'll, like today I'm not too worried about it because I, I trust my girl and I know I know kind of her history and whatnot. Yep. But you know, if I'm actively going out and approaching a bunch of women. I would say to a fault, I haven't worried about it as much as I probably should. Um, yeah. Like there's probably been times where I, where I didn't use protection, where I definitely should have. Um, but again, kind of just heated the moment <laughs> type of yeah. thing. I'm not necessarily recommending that for everybody, but I'm definitely not as organized as a, as a database, you know?
0: Yeah. You know, what's funny. that's one of the things I noticed when I moved to America was how often people had unprotected sex here, like way more often than back in Australia. Like back in Australia, I, I for like fifteen years, like no, hang on, 15, like for what, how long did I for twenty, twenty-five years, I basically always wrapped up unless I was with an exclusive girlfriend, and then I come out here and people and and girls are like, oh, you have to wear a condom. I'm like, what? <laughs> so it was maybe it's a cultural thing. I don't know. Maybe our sex education is a bit better in America or whatever. But that was yeah. one of the biggest things I noticed when I moved out here was that.
1: I'm not necessarily opposed to it. I think probably it is maybe a, more of a mentality out here to where plan B is so accessible like I can walk down to Walgreens at 2 a.m. Mm. in the morning and get a plan B pill and it's fine um right. I mean depending on your political views right but maybe that, maybe that is it you might be right you might go to something there maybe
0: that is it hmm. maybe I
1: was just overthinking it
0: what do you yeah. okay what do you what do you think about like the the okay so we've we've been okay like we've been in like the the, the whole COVID situation for the last like year, year and a half Jesus Christ two weeks it'll slow the spread right uh and then and then the whole OnlyFans thing blew up at the same time, right? What do you think? Like nowadays, for like younger guys, like with date, are dating apps worthwhile going on? Is cold like is cold approach dead or dying because of that? Are we uh, are people like being more becoming more and more introverted and just relying on communicating like online instead of doing it in
1: person? Are you noticing any patterns around this? yeah, I mean, I guess from my perspective, I like to say it's really just how you want to think about it. Um, I think a lot of people on the outside looking in, especially if they're not actively in this industry every day, uh, like you and I am, you know, you might think, okay, you can't approach girls, Cold approaching is dead. You have to meet girls with an online site or whatever. Um, and but from my perspective, a lot of the guys who come to me, one of the main things they struggle with is meeting women. And usually it's because they're doing the thing that seems to be the easiest barrier to entry, which is let me just create a profile on this random website or this random app. But what you don't know, and this was last time I looked was towards the end of 2020. So I haven't looked at this year's stats, but I assume it's only getting worse every year. But in 2020 alone, um, Tinder was the top grossing dating app on the, on the, on the entire app store. Um, so that, that above Netflix, above all these different things. And it also showed that 80% of all users on Tinder are men, right? And so I don't know about you, but if I went to a party and there was 80 dudes and 20 girls, I wouldn't be too happy about that ratio. So that's one aspect. But then the other aspect is, okay, if this is the top grossing dating advice or dating app on the entire... Top of grossing app on the entire marketplace, then who's paying that? It's all these dudes who are struggling to meet the 20% of people on the app who happen to be female. And mm. the, you're not even attracted to every one of those 20%. And so the numbers even shriek even more. And so if a guy's struggling to meet women, cold approaching is absolutely not dead. What I would say is you're almost wasting your time letting the middleman be there so that way you can pay the middleman just so he can give you more access to these girls who are already living in abundance where every dude's hitting them up because they They're one out of every five people on the app in the first place. And so when I think about just sheer odds of standing out, I wanna put myself out of a category of one of 80, I wanna put myself in a category of one of one, maybe one of two. So Mm. if I'm one of the few people who can approach a girl in a way that's not try hard, force, creepy, Face mask or not, if I can talk to her from six six feet away, that's still a cold approach. And I think this brings up the other aspect of like so many guys build up this approaching thing to be like, oh, I got to go out and do the cold approach thing to where it's like they build it up to be more than it is in their head. Like the moment you call call it approaching it becomes like a thing. It's like when a girl says, well, what are we? You know, she's trying to put a label on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> because when you put a label on it, now it it seems like a bigger thing than it is. And so I think because of that, when they think, oh, I got to do the approach thing, it, it becomes more than it is. Are you going to start a conversation with this girl you find attractive or not? And that's what I think it is at the end of the day. Um, and I would say in a, in a sense, depending on how you want to look at it, you know, I would say 2020 is a big opportunity for any guys who want to get into cold approaching because so few dudes are doing it now. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yes, yeah, absolutely.
0: How could it not like set you apart? You know, especially if you've got you know the young what, what's the younger generation, the youngest generation right now called like the um, uh,
1: Gen-, Gen Z. Gen
0: Z, right? They're, like they're like uh, what you would call like digital natives. Like they grew up on a mobile phone, they grew up with the internet, et cetera, and it's like, if, if, if someone, if you want to set yourself, up, so they've obviously got less sort of social, exp, like face to face social experience typically than like a millennial or a, or a Gen X or whatever. And it's like, if you want to set yourself apart, man, that's hands down like the easiest way, just developing those face to face personal skills. But yeah, apart, okay, so, okay, like, are there any places that you would kind of like, Cause I thought that was a really good like number that I didn't actually know that number. Like 80, 80% of tend to use as chick. I dudes,
1: I did not know that. That's terrifying. It uh, was worse. <laughs> it was 85% and 15%. So. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Christ. So, <laughs> so
0: then the, ne- the next question I would, I would ask is like, where, what are some of the best places that you kind of like kind of advise guys to, to actually like meet women like in real life face to face? Because, I know it's not th- this idea of like uh, I'm gonna approach. I I agree with you. Is it make it puts them in their head and it makes it this big deal, right? As opposed to it being like, okay, I'm I'm just this kind of guy. I'm the guy who just talks to everyone. I'm the guy who's just, I'm just a social guy, right? And it's like a muscle. It's like a reflex action. Like that's kind of where you want guys to get to, right? How like so? How can guys like? Well, one, what are good places for guys to actually do that and practice it? And two. What's some of the steps they can take to just developing
1: that as like a reflex muscle where they just talk to every kind of beautiful woman they see. Yeah. So the way I like to break it down is there's really three main ways, if you think about it, of meeting women, right? One is social circle, coworkers, friends of friends, that type of nature. Most people generally tend to rely on that whether they know it or not, um, which is why I would not say it's the best way to do it until you have some game. And so like having game comes from putting in the reps of cold approach, it's like doing door to door sales. You're just gonna naturally become a better speaker and presenter of yourself um, by doing that, which allows you the same types of skills that would allow you to build a social circle that kind of brings women to you. But, um, so there's social circle, there's cold approach, And then um, there's online stuff, right? And we've already kind of talked about the pros and cons of the online stuff. If you can be one of the top 1% of dudes on there who are actually getting a lot of matches, that's great. But the majority of guys don't fit into that category. And so when it comes to cold approaching, I would say every guy, regardless of where you're at, that should be your main thing. Because that's the only one that the more you do that, the better you get at everything else anyways. And so when it comes to that, I like to think of it as... All right, you got social environments and you got non-social environments. And the only real difference here is, is the girl painting chemicals on her face and dousing herself with perfume, just hoping a guy's going to meet like approach her or not. Because if a girl's going to the grocery store to grab something real quick, her mentality is very different than a girl who spent the last three hours getting ready to get hit on by dudes, Mm. you know? And so what I say is if you can put yourself in social environments more that's the best place to practice. So, you know, obviously bars, nightclubs, et cetera, but talking about meetups, you know, meetup.com or like beer festivals or like events, conferences, these are the same types of things because just the sheer volume of people there in one small place in a set period of time, two, three hours, I can talk to a lot of people organically in non-forced ways versus if I spent that same three hours at the mall, maybe I'll talk to like four or five chicks, but... Um, You know, just the 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 sheer of difference in the amount of reps you can get in a certain amount of time. I would say, if you want to get good faster, go to the social environments. Even if you hate bars and nightclubs, even if you think, man, I can never talk to anybody there; it's so loud. I used to think that too until I actually got good at cold approaching women there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, if you want to get good at meeting women, cold approach. Set it. Put it in your schedule. Go to a bar or a nightclub or a local party spot, some social event nearby, and go there with the intention that you're going to start talking to people. Because you know, if if you're talking to a girl right here, even if she's telling you to fuck off, motherfucker, like how dare you say that to me? If you don't look like you just got rejected, none of the other people here were listening to that conversation. I turn around and there's another girl to talk to right there. Right. I think that's so, a
0: really good insight for guy. Guys will get in their head about that. They'll be like, oh, what if someone? What if people see we get rejected? like bang like they can't hear you they don't have a clue what just happened unless she's like slapping you and throwing a glass of water on your face they have not got a clue what just happened so that's kind of like that's a really really good piece of piece of advice right there
1: okay so and and here's the thing is like most women nearby even if they can't hear your conversation they're at least paying attention to your non-verbals like what do you look like after that interaction Right. And and so going back to the show, I was telling you about that. I'm working on a a breakdown I filmed uh, the other day. Um, I'm editing it right now. But one of the dudes on there, he was like with the first F boy to get eliminated or whatever. He was this little Asian guy. um, And he was talking to this like really fine chick on that show. And he was like trying to banter with her, but it just wasn't hitting. And um, the interaction like fizzled out real quickly. She went off and like had someone else come and save her and get her away from this guy because she was getting creeped out by him. Well, anyways, obviously, he felt rejected. And so what he did, and this is like the first episode of the show, he went and sat in the back of the room at this party environment where they're there to meet those women. And there's three women. He sat in the back of the room and put his head down and looked rejected the whole fucking night. And then they showed the girls talking about that later on, saying, I've never seen a guy look so sad. And so that just shows me like, what if that guy had more of an abundance mentality and yes, he struck out with this one girl, but he was still there to have a good time. Now the other girls don't see him sad and he has the opportunity to talk to those other two girls there. Yeah. Right. And so how you come out of an interaction, positive or negative is definitely going to have an effect on your next interaction.
0: You know, absolutely. That's fantastic advice. Um, But my next question, I guess then is, After the, after say guys got getting better at like the cold approaches and stuff and they get, they're actually manning up and they're going out there and they're, 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 you know, taking life by the ball, so to speak. Flaking, how the hell do dudes deal with flaking in this day and age? Cause there's a lot, there's a lot of like, I I hear from dudes. There's a lot of flaking going on because girls have a lot of options. Like you said, like, okay. If he met a girl on Tinder, I guarantee she's got a bunch of other options because she's like 20% he's like one of the 80%. She's obviously going to have a lot more options than he is, right? So mm. what what are some ways that guys can typically like help to reduce that or mitigate like th- those flakes in their dating life?
1: Yeah. Um I would say on the, on a fundamental core level. And then I'll kind of extrapolate from there, but going back to what you were saying before, if a girl's into you, she's into you. Right. And so just kind of act from that frame. And a lot of times so many guys don't have game. And so many guys are texting these girls like, Hey, good morning, beautiful. Like how was your day to where they're automatically kind of putting themselves in the category of dudes who are just on a on a chemical level, not attracting her. They're not doing it for her. And mm. so if you can just learn how to talk to women, the better your interactions are gonna be anyways. And so just being the guy who has a good interaction with her is gonna dramatically decrease the flake rate. You know, I've seen these numbers of, or like these videos that have gone viral way back in the day, you know, like uh, 23 numbers in, in 60 minutes or some shit like that. I promise you the majority of those numbers got flaked because you know, if you, if you talk to a girl for five seconds and then you go, you're cute, can I have your number? And she says, okay, here you go. And then that's the the extent of your conversation with her. Obviously she's going to be a lot less likely to hit you back or to flake on you versus if you talk to this girl for three hours and there was a lot of sexual chemistry between you guys, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And so the context of what leads up to the flake matters. Is this a girl that you've been messaging online and she agreed to hang out with you and then she doesn't show up? yeah, obviously that's different than if this is a girl who I cold approach at a grocery store and had a 30 minute conversation with, and then we made out or something like that. Does that make sense?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I was going to follow that with, I guess, then what, what, what are some mistakes? Even you mentioned like the dude who sort of texted her good morning, beautiful, like every day or whatever, what are some like kind of other fundamental mistakes that dudes will make via text? Like in between say like, okay, I've got the, I've got the girl's number. or I met the girl, I matched with her or whatever between that and actually yeah. meeting up with the girl. Like what? Do you see that there's some very common mistakes that guys make in their text
1: game? The most common one is, especially if we're talking early on in the dating process, like this is not a girl you've slept with yet. This is not a girl that you've hung out with multiple times. Is they're they're texting her just for the sake of texting her. They're trying to build a connection with her. They're trying to banter with over text. And, you know, those things are, are okay. But early on within a few text messages, you know, from the, from the conversation starting, I'm at least planting seeds to meet up with her either that night or the next day or the next, you know, sometime that week. Right. Yeah. So, my main priority for even texting her in the first place is to see her in person because a lot of that sexual chemistry, this to the tension, the attraction, uh, you know, there's no, you can't, you can't substitute doing that over text for doing that in person. The guy who can do that in person is going to be top of mind, tip of tongue for her more often than the guy who's just texting her all day every day. Yeah. So uh, that's like the main one that I see, you know?
0: Because I've I've heard girls complain about that before on uh on dating apps, especially. Like conversa- the conversation that goes nowhere. Because the dude isn't like isn't he's not pushing for a meetup, he's not pushing for a you know, like any like he's not making things happen. So she's like, Yeah, I'm like I'm chatting with him, but like they get frustrated when the dude isn't like, All right, let's, let's meet up, eight o'clock, Thursday night, this place, whatever they, they're getting like, they're complaining about it and they're getting frustrated by it.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, if I get flaked on by a girl, you know, I, I, I rarely, if ever let that get me down for the rest of the day, because I'm a busy guy, I got things going on. I'm just like, cool. Now I can actually still work on this thing that I was already working on because I got goals. I got things I'm working towards. And so, you know, one of the things that you and I mentioned, even before we hit record was like, You know, you value your time. That's like a trait of high value men. A guy who's high value, who values his time, who prioritizes his own time, he's not going to waste his whole fucking day texting this girl just for the sake of texting her. Right. He's going to be efficient with this time. All right, we're texting. You know, you got you, you are, you're into me. I'm into you. That's kind of the vibe here. All right, let's meet up. Right. He's being more efficient. And that way you can build that conversation in person. Not only does that show her that you're a high value guy because you're not, you're not dilly dallying. You're not trying to just text her for the sake of texting her, yeah. but also you understand how it works. You understand that you, you want to do this in person. That's where the fun happens, you know? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. You can't, you
0: can't really like, you can be like witty and, 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 and and kind of charming and funny over text, but it's not, it's never going to be anywhere near as good as, you know, face to face. Like. Like I can communicate so much more with my eye contact and my, my vocal tonality alone than I could ever do via like text messages. That's actually why I, I personally like sending voice notes whenever I can, because like, it's it's just so much, there's so much more there. It's like, I could say, and and look, the accent doesn't hurt. I'm not going to lie. Like (laughs) it's kind of, it's kind of useful, but it's this little thing like, uh, like I personally hate receiving voice notes from if someone I'm like I'm wasting my fucking time, you piece of shit. If I have to play, play <laughs> some dude's voice note, if like a friend of mine is sending me a voice note, but I'll do it to chicks <laughs> because I, it's an advantageous for me, you know. But that's that's yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. Um, I, did you have anything else you wanted to ask me? Because I'm I I'll probably have to wrap it up uh, pretty soon. I've got to jump on uh, another call in a minute.
1: Yeah, no worries. Uh, I was just going to add on to what you said there, which was um, I like what you said about the voice notes. I think that's a underutilized thing when it comes to just communicating with a girl over your phone. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've noticed is like, uh, at least in my experience, um, if a girl's not responding to me over text, a lot of times a guy will take that as like, oh, she's not into me. Right, but sometimes you know I've found that if a girl's not responsive over text, she's very responsive over an Instagram or a Snapchat DM. Or if mm. she's not even responsive on those, she always picks up my phone call when I call. And so for me, if I'm if I'm shooting my shot with a girl, um, I'm not gonna be texting her all day. But you know if she doesn't hit me back this week, I'll I'll wait a week and then I'll call her. I I just change up the medium. And sometimes yep. you'll you'll realize that. Oh, this girl's interested. She just prefers phone calls, or she prefers huh. Snapchat DMs. You know,
0: that is a really, really good piece of advice. That's a golden That's a golden nugget right there. Just change the medium, because because yeah. it's like a, it's a it's a case of like where are you competing most for attention? Like it, it like maybe like she has a, she gets a ton of te- for some reason she gets a ton of text messages, but she doesn't get that many Instagram DMs. So it's like. Yeah, that, that is. I like that. That's fucking. That's a nugget.
1: My viewers, if they wanted to go and reach out to you or even fo- find your stuff, where should they go? Easy again. Uh, just
0: type in Sterling Cooper on uh, on YouTube. You'll come up with my uh, my channel on there, or you can go to sterlingcooper.com. I got links to all my socials on there my uh, my twitter i have my rambling thoughts my instagram where you can see a bit of the behind the scenes of my life and uh yeah but youtube if you want practical uh, advice on like laying pipe and uh, avoiding bedroom performance then then check out my youtube i have a ton of free uh, free videos on there that everyone can go and check it out uh yeah dude this has been awesome thank you so much for for
1: making hey, the time today of course man thank you so much for uh, inviting me on and i'm glad we got to connect it was nice conversing with you, and hopefully we'll be able to do this again soon. Maybe even link up in person one of these days. Absolutely, my man. Thank you so much for checking out this video. If you enjoyed it, please give us a thumbs up and hit that subscribe button if you're not already subscribed. We are on the road to 100K, and if you haven't already grabbed your copy of my book for free, just click this button right here or watch another video. Peace out.